Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 16 of the podcast. The 2020 season has been nothing short of a disaster. After many predicted a 12-4 record and a deep playoff run, the 49ers find themselves sitting at 2-3 in last place of the NFC West after an ugly loss to the Miami Dolphins. I'm angry, I'm upset, and I'm sure just like yourself, I am simply dumbfounded as to what is happening this season so we're going to talk about all of it. What went wrong and who's to blame for the Week 5 loss to the Dolphins? How does this team move forward after the worst loss in the John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan era, including the futures of Jimmy Garoppolo and Robert Sala? And we're also going to look ahead to this week's game versus the Los Angeles Rams. They have the toughest opponent the Niners have played so far. It's going to be tough, grueling, and again, just like Week 4 and 5, another must-win for San Francisco. But joining us today, he's a former NFL and AFL defensive back, a contributor to the 4th and 9, and the host of the Crocker Report, it's Eric Crocker. Eric, let's jump right into Week 5 and go over how awful these Niners were. They lost 43-17. to It was the 4th most points given up by the Niners in the Lynch and Shanahan era. They looked like an expansion team. They were a failure in every facet of the game, from the coaches to the players. And really, we have to find some place to start, so why not start with the offense? Uh, Since 2017, Jimmy Garoppolo took over as quarterback. The team has never scored this little amount of points with him on the field. Yes, he only played one half. I'm well aware of that. They only scored seven points. The only other time they scored single-digit points was the Washington game last year in the Mud Bowl when they put up only nine. That, That great sliding picture... With the Mike Pearson picture with him with mud in his face, looking like some Viking. It was awesome. That's the last time. That's how bad Sunday was for San Francisco. And it would also be wrong of me to not point out how Garoppolo was obviously still nursing the ankle injury. Uh, He couldn't play on his back foot whatsoever, which is why we saw the hesitation, which is why balls are being under and overthrown. uh, Because Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have the arm strength to compensate for not being able to use his lower body. And I don't want you to misconstrue it or anybody out there listening that Garoppolo was awful on Sunday. He was awful. And we have seen the worst version of Jimmy Garoppolo this season. But there is a lot of context we have to cover before we point blame at somebody or even point blame at Garoppolo. No other quarterback besides Russell Wilson, maybe even Patrick Mahomes, can, can be successful with how poor this Niners offense is playing. Last week I said that if the Niners offense isn't playing well, Shanahan's system doesn't work. Well, we saw what happened. It didn't work. And pair that with Jimmy Garoppolo's ankle injury, the guy just isn't very mobile already as well, and so he really has no chance. He's not getting any blocking. He can't escape the pocket. Well, he's a sitting duck out there. And then you add on to that as well, that he hasn't played in two weeks, couldn't practice, was limited on a Wednesday and Thursday, doesn't have any chemistry with the receivers because he hasn't practiced with them. Garoppolo, he didn't have a chance. He was playing scared, and later in that first half with the two interceptions, he was playing desperate. Needed a big play, forced some throws, didn't have to, didn't have the arm strength to do it because he didn't have his lower body. And so I want to ask you, how much blame do you put on Jimmy Garoppolo for Sunday's performance? Knowing the context... Why was he even out there? Because I could tell from the second drive of the game, he wasn't game ready. Jimmy's definitely gotten off to a little you know, rocky start this season. I think uh, something that's kind of contributing to that is the offensive line play has kind of been hit and miss. And <clears throat> Jimmy Garoppolo, man, you know, he's a quarterback. You, you have to know who he is, right? It's kind of like, you know, I compare him to like Lamar Jackson, right? Not in the sense of like their play style, but just in a sense of like how they want to play, right? So when you look at the Baltimore Ravens, you know, their offense works best, their quarterback works best when they have the run and play at their disposal, you know? Um, if you've watched, you know, the Baltimore Ravens and kind of paid attention when they get behind, some of the issues they have is Lamar Jackson. He's not a pure passer, right? He can't just drop back and just pick teams apart. That, that's not his game. He needs the threat of the run game to really be effective. Well, the same can kind of be said for Jimmy Garoppolo where, you know, uh, even when you look at games like last year uh, against the Arizona Cardinals where the 49ers only had, what, uh, 24 yards rushing from running backs, and Jimmy had over 400 yards passing. The game 
for the most part, outside of that first quarter, the game was still close enough to where the 49ers still had the threat of running the ball. When you look at the game like Sunday, where they're playing against the you know, Miami Dolphins and they fall behind 21-7 before you can blink an eye, it kind of took away the run game. And from that point on, you have to count on Jimmy Garoppolo, who isn't a guy that's just going to dice teams up when they know he has to throw the ball, right? The 49ers, they really want to work everything off play action, and that's when he's most effective. That's when he's most efficient. They didn't have that part in their uh, of their game Sunday, and then you see how it kind of came snowballing down on Jimmy Garoppolo because he's not that type of quarterback. He's not someone that you just want to drop back and throw, you know, 50 times, 60 times a game with, um, you know, and just disregard your entire run game. So, for me, yeah, his injury probably, you know, could have played a little part in that. But I think for the most part, it's him pressing and kind of forcing him to be somebody that he's not. Yeah, I think one thing about Sunday's game, and it makes it so frustrating, is because there's so many ways you can look at it. You can look at it from the offensive line, uh, from the secondary, which we will get into, trust me. Uh, and then Garoppolo, Shanahan, Solo, there's so many ways to look at it. And that's why it's so frustrating, because... Almost nothing seemed to work. And this is just your opinion here, and I, and I have no insight on this, but do you believe Jimmy Garoppolo may have forced his way into playing last week after seeing San Francisco struggle against uh, Philadelphia? And if not, uh, why would Kyle Shanahan allow his quarterback to go out there nursing an injury? Like, don't you think that uh, he should be cognizant that he has to protect his quarterback at all costs, his franchise quarterback at all costs, who got him to the Super Bowl last year. Don't you think that would be something he needs to be uh, noticing or even cognizant of if, if, if he's throwing Garoppolo out there with a bad ankle? Well, I, I think that is something that they tried to take into consideration, right? Because the, the the week before, that was their big thing where he had to have a certain amount of practices and look really good and be able to protect himself um, or they weren't going to play him. And they didn't. They didn't play him. Obviously, you know, Mullins didn't play well. Uh, Beathard finished that game. And then... Jimmy Garoppolo, I would assume, looked well enough to be able to protect himself in the game. Now, the tough thing with practice, especially for a quarterback, is, you know, these guys aren't getting hit. They're not really forced to strain themselves with being able to, you know, move around in practice. So uh, he, he might have looked just fine in practice. But once you get in the game and those live bullets are flying and, you know, you see him kind of take some hits and then all of a sudden – maybe his time clock gets a little sped up and, you know, balls start selling a little bit. And, you know, selling balls is kind of a, a sign of maybe he's not really being able to step into his throws. I think that's when Kyle was like, okay, nah, he's he's he's, he's looking a little rough. Let's protect him. Maybe he's not just 100%. Let's hold off a little bit and, and sit him down for the second half. So um, I, I don't know if that's the – thought process with Kyle Shanahan, but I kind of want to give him the benefit of the doubt there and not think that he would just let uh, Jimmy force his way into the game when when he, you know, and, and be like non-effective. Well, I think that's what also I saw on Sunday was knowing Garoppolo may have a lingering effect, may have looked fine in practice, but could still have a lingering effect of the injury. Like you said, maybe his time clock being sped up. Uh, but I want to ask you, and, and this is something I talked about last week with Evan Swords, and he, he told us that he never thought Kyle Shanahan has been comfortable with Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback. Uh, and that becomes a bigger conversation. And the one that we'll kind of get into here is that, is that something you agree with that Shanahan and Garoppolo really don't have the chemistry or, or and, and how much of that falls on Shanahan or, or is that entirely on Garoppolo? Oh, he's just not comfortable. I, I guess you can look at it that way. I, I look at it more like he was still learning his quarterback. Um, you know, and because they haven't really been together that long. So you don't just know somebody from, you know, it's like dating, right? It's like dating and you can see someone and it's like, oh man, they're beautiful and they do these things and, and you like it, right? And then you move in with that person and you start to learn the real them and it's like, <laughs> oh, I don't like this or I don't like that, but I can't live with this, right? And those are, and then you're going to have to make a decision like, can we continue this relationship or not? Like, you know, is it worth it? So I think that's where they're at right now. Kyle Shanahan has to learn are these things that he's willing to live with with Jimmy Garoppolo. And if not, you know, luckily for the 49ers uh, with Parag Marate, the way they set up the contract, they do have an out in it. So they don't, you know, I guess they can have a divorce. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't just flat out say, oh, he's just not comfortable at, with him at all. I, I just think there's a, a filling out process going on. 
well, kind of feeding off your your relationship analogy and moving in with somebody, uh, it kind of seems like once you uh, move in with somebody, you have to have some adaptability. And whether it's you know doing the dishes or putting your clothes up right after you wear them or whatever it is. Uh, and, and the relationship that I see between Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and, and I can be entirely wrong here, but it kind of looks like it's a clash between scheme versus player, where Shanahan has a scheme he wants to execute, and, and maybe Garoppolo's ability doesn't match that scheme entirely, but he fits in somewhere. And uh, and, and I'm sure this feeds into everything we're talking about, but, but whose responsibility is it to adapt? Because in a relationship, it's both people. And do you think Jimmy Garoppolo needs to adapt further into Kyle Shanahan's scheme, or does Shanahan need to kind of adapt the offense around Jimmy, which I think he did a great job last year in uh, going play action, run first heavy offense, and it worked very well. Uh, what are the differences you see this year from last year in Garoppolo? I know it's a very small sample size, but it seems like there is a clash between Shanahan and Garoppolo this year. Do you see that, or is that just me? It is on the coach to adapt because like you know the player is who the player is and obviously like they can improve on certain things but you know Jimmy Garoppolo he has his limitations right he doesn't have the biggest of arms uh definitely limited uh mobility so Kyle Shanahan has to adjust accordingly and it's like okay well what can he do well right can't really throw outside the numbers extremely well but he can throw between the hashes very well He's pretty accurate uh, from that standpoint. Not great driving the ball downfield. So, okay, like, but he can design some, you know, shots like we saw uh, with uh, in, in the Green Bay Packer game when he hit George Kittle for that big game, right? Like, he, he can design those type of shots for, for him. So, I think uh, Kyle Shanahan, considering what uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's skill set is, he's done a really good job adapting. I think as far as Jimmy Garoppolo goes, is just being the game manager, right? Like, you know, good, like not in the sense of like, that's just like a bad thing, but just being able to manage the game, like not throwing interceptions and like back-to-back drives against the Miami Dolphins, you know, um, not quitting on plays too soon. Like we saw, like, you know, his first throw last game, it was like, there was good protection um, he didn't never really try to buy time. It was just like, okay, I'm not going to look right. I'm just looking left. Uh, it's not there. I'm, uh, uh, and just threw it out of bounds. Right. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo also, you know, he has to execute or, you know, Kyle Shanahan, I'm pretty sure it's probably really frustrating for a coach where it's like, Hey, I'm doing everything in my power to play to your strengths. And even then we're still kind of, kind of struggling right now to kind of get in the rhythm as far as play calling goes. Yeah, I think what you're saying uh, is exactly at least what I see on the field in in regards to uh, Garoppolo maybe not being comfortable, especially against Miami, which you could just tell something was off, whether it was not having to practice, because he didn't practice uh, with the offense or didn't finish a practice until Friday. Uh, And so he really didn't have his time to get his leg ramped up again. And he just seemed like whether it was, you know, feeling a little, uh, whether it was the yips or his first game back, something didn't seem right. And a lot of the criticism towards Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and I've said it multiple times, where it just seems like he's a one-read quarterback. He he has he hikes the ball, looks at one guy, stares him down, and that's it. Uh, and he doesn't always do a great job of looking off the safety or moving his eyes around. But when you look in the past in 2017, and I understand it's three years ago now, Garoppolo looked like a much different quarterback when he was working with less of the playbook or didn't know more of the playbook. Do you think Jimmy Garoppolo, going forward in Kyle Shanahan's system may see an improved style of play by relying on his instinct and his own ability rather than sticking to, you know, the cookie cutter Shanahan play calling. You know, I actually, when, when people talk about 2017, they're like, where's this Garoppolo? But like, if you go back to 2017 and kind of just watch the games and how they played out, he looked exactly how he looked last year. I, I think that the year uh, where he tore his ACL, like, I think that was like a different Garoppolo, right, where he, he looked a little uncomfortable to start the season. And then when you look at, uh, you know, the start to this year, it looks a little uncomfortable. But but the, the 2017 Garoppolo really looked just like last season and what we saw from an efficiency, efficiency uh, standpoint, um, game-winning drives. You know, there were ups and downs. He still threw some bad interceptions. His touchdown-to-interception ratio wasn't all that great. But he did some – Really good things where he was like leading the league in, you know, yards per drive, points per drive, third down conversions and stuff. All those things that he was really great at last year. So I've seen that a lot on Twitter where people kind of rip him and, oh, the 2017 Garoppolo is never coming back. Like, no, we we saw it last year. <laughs> and that team went to the Super Bowl. Now, if you want to say 
you know, maybe he was a little um, rushed in the playoffs, and you could see him kind of get a little ahead of himself. I, I'll give you that. But for the most part, throughout last season, I saw 27, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo had some of the same kind of ups and downs, some of the same kind of, oh, that's a bad interception. But a lot of the, oh, nice conversion, nice conversion. Um, really good game when he drives. So there, Jimmy, he gets a, people get on him. And there are a lot of people that, you know, really like him. I, I like Jimmy Garoppolo for who he is and what he is. I, I think if if everything is perfect, um, he, he's just fine running the offense and the 49ers can win with him. The issue is that he's limited uh, from an arm talent standpoint and from a mobility standpoint. So once he kind of gets in situations where he's not comfortable, it's it's a little harder for him to succeed in, in that type of environment and that's kind of what we've seen uh, early on so far. Well, sticking on 2017 Jimmy Garoppolo for a quick second here, uh, you mentioned mobility, and I know Garoppolo tore his ACL in 2018. Uh, how big of an impact do you think that's actually had on his game? Because we know he isn't the most mobile guy, but when looking back at 2017, he was pretty good at extending plays out of the pocket, uh, not rushing for a, a huge chunk of yards, but extending plays, getting guys open, leading guys, maybe it's the back of the end zone, and finding the open receiver, but he really hasn't done that much this year, and how much impact did tearing his ACL have on his career and his play? I don't think it's it's had much effect. I, I think as the season went on last year, I think early on you could tell, like, especially like if you go back and you watch that Broncos preseason game, yeah. you could see somebody that's clearly trying to protect himself Um you know, and try to like get that leg out of harm's way. As the season went on, I saw him scrambling. If you remember, uh, in the uh, game against the Saints, where he ran and dove for a first down, right? Yeah. So you know that was him. You know, really being you know comfortable and confident in in his knee. Uh, the the bigger issue, he's just not very mobile, right? He 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 can move just well enough. I think even you know I compared him a lot to Tony Romo. Hmm. I think even then Romo might be. Slightly more, uh, I don't want to say athletic, but just a little bit better with his escapability. Um, the 49ers' big issue right now has been the lack of of having that guy, right? We've, we, we, you've touched on the offensive line and how up and down it's been. Well, quarterbacks and in, in their lack of ability to be mobile hasn't hasn't really helped, right? When you see guys coming off the edge. Um, it seems like they just kind of stand there. They're just like statues in the pocket, and then boom, they get hit. Um, they're taking hits. They've taken, I want to say, the second most or or the most uh, quarterback hits around the league. I think a lot of that is due to not being very mobile, not being able to, um, you know, really play more outside of the pocket. You know, um, even you know, I'm watching quarterbacks. You know, I I have my own website. You know, crockreport.com. And I've been, you know, starting to get into my scouting reports and everything. And I'm getting into quarterbacks and I've watched uh, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and I watched Mac Jones. And the biggest thing that kind of jumped out to me, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, they move well. They, and they're able to get out, out out of the pocket and they don't take a lot of quarterback hits. When I watch uh, Mac Jones, he's a little bit more of a guy that's not as mobile and he plays very well from inside the pocket and moves around well, but he takes a lot more hits. So I think a lot of it has to do with just the style of play that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, the style that Jimmy Garoppolo plays and his inability to just really move. He's taking a ton of hits, him and Nick Mullins when he was back there. They don't know how to get themselves out of harm's way. They don't have the ability to, to be honest. I think kind of what you're saying is, is something that I, I definitely want to get into here is because mobility you really can't teach. That, and, and to a certain point you can and in the way you call a game and the, in the, and the way a player plays the game. But you can't teach Lamar Jackson's mobility or Mahomes' mobility. Those are things a player has to do to get comfortable with and let alone have that natural ability to have the speed and the wherewithal to escape the pocket when they do. Uh, but one thing I think a lot of people have criticized Kyle Shanahan on uh, and he's had the chance to do this four times, and that's being the offensive coordinator in Washington and the head coach uh, now in San Francisco, is develop a quarterback. And you know, RG3, Kirk Cousins, Beathard, and Garoppolo are the, are the four guys he's had uh, at their rookie year and past that. Uh, and you, I guess you can put Nick Mullins in there as well, but he didn't draft Nick Mullins. Uh, but when I hear those names, two things come to mind, and I know 
The first thing isn't Kyle Shanahan's fault, but two of them did tear the ACL, that being RG3 and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but what do you say to someone who says that Shanahan has failed to develop three out of the four quarterbacks, and the one that he has wanted to develop more or have a relationship with the longest is Kirk Cousins. We, we heard him the entire time, uh, his first three years in, in San Francisco, talk about how much he wanted Kirk Cousins here and how much this regime was going to look to bring in Kirk Cousins. All of a sudden, Jimmy Garoppolo comes in. Uh, is there something that we're missing between Garoppolo and Cousins? Because they seem like very similar quarterbacks, albeit Cousins has a much stronger arm and a better deep ball. But what are we missing here? Yeah, so when I look at Kyle Shanahan and kind of what he wants, right, because, you know, we go back and we look at even RG3, that that wasn't his guy, right? Like, I think he was forced into drafting, drafting him by Dan Snyder. Uh, he likes guys that are going to play within the context of how he sees his offense being run, right? So it's a lot of play action, get the ball out, a lot of timing, right? West Coast offense, right? What is West Coast offense? You look back at, you know, even um, – uh, Steve Young and, and you know, even before Steve Young, let's let's start with Joe Montana. Everything was in rhythm. It was one, two, three balls out. One, two, three balls out. One, two, three, four, five balls out. Everything was like a timing thing. Steve Young had to really had he had to learn to adapt to that style of play. And once he got it, I think he retired as, you know, had the highest passer rating in NFL history when he retired. Right. So even he was able to understand it and one, two, three balls out. Um Kyle likes guys that are going to play within the structure of that. So even though, you know, he had a guy like RG3, people, when you when you talk about developing a guy, I think he did very well with RG3. He, 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 he changed an entire offense and ha- with everything that the Shanahan's know to, and tailored a game plan around RG3 that led to him winning rookie of the year. And leading the Red, the Redskins, Washington football team, whatever you want to call them, leading them to the playoffs, right? And, and I think they would probably would have even been further if it wasn't for RG3 taking those hits and, and having that hurt knee. So, and then who knows where it could have gone from from, from there. Uh, as far as Kirk Cousins goes and Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, very, 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 very similar style um, quarterbacks. And I think that's for a reason now. Ideally, you know, if you if you had your choice, and and I don't know, I mean, somebody would have to ask Kyle Shanahan, like, hey, if you had your choice of what kind of quarterback you want, who you know, who would you pick? And he probably would say like Aaron Rodgers or something, right? Like, you know, we're seeing how high of a level he's doing in the same offense over there with Green Bay right now with you know Lafleur developing the quarterback. Man, it's there's a lot that goes into it. Some of it is just is the player talented, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. is this a talented person? And I think that's an issue. Like, right. When we look at CJ Beathard, he doesn't have like elite skill set. When you look at uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, he was what a fourth round pick. He doesn't have elite skill set. When you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, second round pick, but even then doesn't have elite skill set. So I think that's kind of some of the issue there where he feels like he can win with those guys. But, you know, look at the, who, who, who are the best quarterbacks in the league, you know, outside of, of Russell Wilson, who has elite skill set, but he was just, you know, really tiny. All the other top quarterbacks in the league, they're, they're really, most of them are like first round picks. So I think the, the, the biggest issue, you can have some of these elite talented guys, or you can have somebody that just fits your system, like a Drew Brees with Sean Payton. And Kyle, it sounds like he just prefers somebody more like Drew Brees, who, you know, or, you know, who can just kind of fit what he wants to do and developing them kind of. There's some of it's on the coach, but some of it's on a lot of it is on the player too because he has to buy into what the coach is trying to do and have the ability to to do it. Do you think Jimmy Garoppolo has has done that? Do you think he's bought in 100 percent and is doing exactly what Kyle Shanahan? And I, and I know it's a big question to ask you because you're not in the meetings, you're not in the room, and and you're usually not watching practices. But but do you think Garoppolo has bought in, or or is there a chance? And, and I could be reaching big time here, and and I would not doubt if I was, but. Because Kyle Shanahan kind of had a tight grip on Kirk Cousins for a long time because he coached him in Washington, uh, he seemingly wanted him in San Francisco, and there's now even rumors now that Garoppolo is leaving and Cousins is coming in, and I know that's Twitter talk, but but is there a chance that, that in, in the back of his head that Shanahan felt like he was kind of force-fed Garoppolo and the, in the back of his head he still wants Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I could see that, but you know, if I'm him, 
I'll get, I'll get off that real quick. We've seen <laughs> Kirk Cousins, and we just saw what happened with him last year, right? Same issues. I just talked about what Jimmy Garoppolo needed. He needs a threat of the run game, and then he, you know he can be really efficient and really good. Well, when the 49ers played Kirk Cousins last year, what happened? They took away the run game, and and now Kirk Cousins lost a threat of that, and he looked terrible. So like, you know, and and he's playing. He was playing with Shasansky, whatever his name is, and uh, Kubiak and those guys. Like, those are good offensive-minded coaches. We've seen what Shafansky has done with the Cleveland Browns and turning them around and Baker Mayfield. Like, those are really good. So if they couldn't get more out of Kirk Cousins in, in that type of environment situation, only winning one playoff game, Kyle Shanahan, if he thinks that he can get more, he's just being stubborn. If If it were me, and obviously I'm not – in anyone's front office or anything like that, I think I know who Garoppolo is. Um, and kind of, you know, if you remember back to the 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs, they kind of did the same thing with Alex Smith, where it's like, ah, I think we can only get so far with this guy, and I don't think he can put us over the top. I don't think he can win that game for us. So 49ers, they ended up starting – Colin Kaepernick, because they felt like he was a more explosive and higher-selling guy. The Kansas City Chiefs, they traded up to get Patrick Mahomes, who they felt was a higher-selling guy. I think the 49ers kind of need to go that route and do what they have to do to get a more higher-selling guy. And what you do when you get that guy is use that those that money that would go to Garoppolo or whatever and pour that into you know your offensive line, your right guard, your – you know left guard or center or whatever um put more of that into your you know maybe a a cornerback in, in you know in free agency or something like that but the 49ers have all the weapons they need to really be successful i've definitely i kind of feel like if they get held back by anything is likely going to be quarterback play and they, they need somebody that's going to really take them over the top i don't think jimmy does that i think you can win with jimmy garoppolo I think you, you can possibly win it all, but you're going to need everything around him to kind of be really ideal. I think they, they need to get somebody in there that it doesn't have to be in uh, an ideal situation. And the only way to kind of do that at this time is probably draft the guy. Now, you can go maybe free agency route, but even then, now you're you're pouring a lot more money into it. I, I wouldn't go that route. I would, I, would, I would give up draft capital and move up to, to, to draft a guy then just go out, to, then keep going with Garoppolo or uh, pay a bunch of money to some free agent quarterback that's a retread. You kind of just got into my next question here, and it was going to be more so about the future of the quarterback position for the Niners, but uh, I kind of want to get into this first. When Kyle Shanahan spoke to the media uh, after the game, he told them that he didn't plan on passing the ball a lot, and, and I, I think a lot can feed into that, which that's knowing most starts back and how successful this Niners rushing attack is, but also maybe the apprehension with Garoppolo. But I think it tells us a little more that he doesn't really trust any of his quarterbacks uh, to get his job done uh, or to get the job done. And if that's the case, uh, what does Garoppolo need to do? And can he actually win Kyle Shanahan's trust back to run this offense, not only as good as he did last year, but even past the point? Or do you think this Niners team has hit their limit with Garoppolo and you kind of already said it, but but do you think next year there will be a new starting quarterback in San Francisco? You know, it is hard because obviously there's a lot of season left. You know, we're we're kind of in panic mode right now because we we're looking at a team that was just in the Super Bowl, yeah. seven minutes away from hoisting the Lombardi tr- Trophy, and now it's like, you know, kind of going to shits a little bit, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so it's like, you know, we're kind of in panic mode a little bit, you know, as as, as the faithful, and you know, but there is a lot of season left. And, you know, I was on 95-7 the game last night. And, and, and at this moment right now, the 49ers, they just have to take it one game at a time. And I think as fans, we have to do the same thing. Now, will Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, be there next year? It, it's really – a lot of it is going to go into just how he finishes the season. The the issue is – and like I've said a few times already, I think we know who he is. And he's someone that you can win with, but he's not going to be the reason you win – and that's, that's really tough, you know, to kind of commit to somebody like that long term. One more question before we go to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you have to get rid of D. Ford, Quan Alexander, Jimmy Garoppolo. Who are you getting rid of? 
Oh, D4 requires engine. It's a lot of money on every single guy, and you just told me that if, if, if one position, one player is going to hold this team back, it's the quarterback. Is it Garoppolo you're getting rid of, or is it somebody else? Yeah, it's 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 probably Garoppolo, but I would have to have another plan in place. If I'm going to let Garoppolo walk or trade him, um, you know, and try to get, you know, a second-round pick or third-round pick or whatever, which I, I don't know if you get a second-round pick for him, but, like, you know, whatever you can get for him, I would just have to – like, it can't be Kirk Cousins. It can't be Kirk Cousins. It can't be any of the other guys. You have to use the draft capital, and it takes a lot. It takes a lot to move up, and, and I'm pretty sure people will probably look at what it would take and be like, man, that's crazy. But if you can go up and you can get one of these elite, talented quarterbacks, and even like a guy like Trey Lance, right? And you know, Let's talk about Trey Lance. Big arm, really athletic. There, You know, um, there's some things that he doesn't do that maybe Kyle likes. Like, I, I haven't seen him make too many NFL throws, right? Those, those tight window throws over the middle, but – you can formulate an entire offense around him to and really be successful. I've seen Kyle do it. I saw North Dakota State do it. Um, you know, but you you know, going that route and getting a guy like that, giving them some draft capital, it still it lets you put and pour money into the rest of the team. Even because it wouldn't just be Jimmy Garoppolo. I go, I would let go of Quan Alexander as well and D Ford as well. Like, okay, let's free up sixty million dollars or whatever that would be, and now. Let's put that into the rest of this team. Let's revamp this secondary because you're losing pretty much everybody. Let's revamp this offensive line. And then now I think you you build a more solid structure. That's just my opinion, though. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I think it's an opinion a lot of people share, at least myself, on Alexander and D Ford. I definitely want to see what Garoppolo can do for the rest of the season because I'm not off the bandwagon yet. I still love the guy. Maybe that's because I'm just stubborn and saw what he did last year and think there may be some fleeting hope we can get back to that resemblance of it. But but let's go to the defensive side of the ball. And the Niners roster has been decimated by injuries more than any team in the NFL. And a lot of those come on the defensive side of the ball. Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas. Uh, three cornerbacks out, Sherman, Williams, Mosley, Witherspoon was limited with the hamstring problem, and you know they had to play practice squad cornerbacks against a pretty good Dolphins receiving core. Like, there are some guys on that team that, like, Devontae Parker is phenomenal. Preston Williams is underrated. Like, they have a really good receiving core there that doesn't get enough credit, and when I see who played on Sunday, I don't put any blame on Brian Allen or Ken Webster, at least for the most part, because... I know how hard they work. I know that even a practice squad cornerback puts in a ton of work to keep their body in physical condition, and they're not going out there trying to play bad. And so, and I'm sure you can expand on this because, in my opinion, they weren't always put in a situation to succeed. I think Dante Whitner made it very clear when he discussed the secondary and he talked about Devontae Parker's touchdown that gave Miami a 21 to 7 lead on NBC Sports Bay Area, and when he pointed a finger someone on Sunday, he blamed Robert Sala. Now, I'm not going to go that far, but he blamed him not only for the defensive failures, but he also said, and I quote, this game is on Sala. Is that a sentiment you share after watching what happened on Sunday against Miami? Yeah. Um, And and my reasoning is because they didn't help, you know, Allen, right? If you have a guy in there and after the first time he gets beat, like, I know I need to help this guy. And the way you help them is, okay, let's go some too high. Like, there are a lot of people like, oh, they should have got him out right then and there. And it's like, you know what? You know, these these offensive guys, man, they, they get paid too, right? And like you said, Devontae Parker, it, you know, he's a really good receiver. So, you know, he's going to he's gonna get his. That's fine. So, one time, like, all right, but I'm going to change up some of the things that I'm doing. And, I'm, and on that one third down and long touchdown, I thought that was ridiculous because it's like, why are you not in a too high uh, defense? Like, why is there not, you know, too high so you 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 have, like, this shell over and you don't give up something over the top? Why would you play more, you know, single high and keep leaving this guy on the island that's getting ran by? So, yeah, I put that on on, on Salah. 
you know, I just I just got back from, you know, you and I, we've been discussing, right? I've been, I just got back off of a flight. I just coached a seven-on-seven tournament. My guys that I had out there, I realized right away, I love playing man, but we couldn't play man coverage in the championship against the team we played against. So I had to adapt, and I played more zone and more too high stuff, and I had to, you know, disguise some things a little bit better. Like, I'm not as smart as Robert Sala, but I even I understood I had to do that. So Sala, I don't know why he didn't make this adjustment quicker, but he, he was a little stubborn and probably should have went to a little bit more too high, which is crazy because they've been playing more of it. They play against the uh, – the Giants, they played a ton of cover four. Like, so yeah, I, I don't know. That that's very that was very interesting why they left him out there on the island. Let him be down there and press on third and long and just get ran by. Uh yeah, a lot of that that has to go on on solid for sure. This next part is a two parter. One, did you win your championship game? And the next part is what would you say to someone who says that or, or, or who uses the 2017 and 2018 seasons to prove their point in saying that Robert Sala's scheme doesn't work without strong edge, edge rushers. Because this team has struggled without Nick Bosa and D Ford, and someone could use that to say, you know, Sala, his defense doesn't work without those guys. First question, no, we lost in the championship. It was a good game, though. It was a good game. It was fun. Um, but two, no, 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 it, it works. I, I've seen him adjust. Um, and I'm saying it works without the elite talent. Now, again, really football, it, it it is about, you know, it's about X's and O's, but it's even more about the Jimmys and Joes. You got to have guys. Like, there's no team that wins it all and they don't have dudes. So I, I get when people, well, he wasn't anything without Nick Bosa and, and D4. Like, okay, like most people aren't, right? Like most people aren't. You need guys. That's why it takes time to, you know, build a roster. Once you build the roster – and you get it to kind of how you, you know, thought in your head and you have those playmakers, then you're good, right? And, and that's most teams. Uh, I will say, even before, before that, I think Robert Sala got the most out of the defense. He just didn't have finishers. And he was, if you look at numbers, the if you look at numbers, the 49ers defense, when we talk about 2018, the defense wasn't bad. Like, it, they, they couldn't get off the field. They couldn't. They couldn't, um, you know, finish at the quarterback. They weren't getting any kind of takeaways, right? So that led to more points. But if you look at it from like a yardage standpoint, they weren't bad. I want to say it was like a top 12 defense in the league statistically. But when you can't get takeaways because you don't have guys that can make plays and finish, that that was the bigger issue that was going on there. So, no, Robert Sala... Yeah, you you need a Bosa, you need a D four. Like most teams need good players to be good, uh, but I don't think that changes the fact that he's a good defensive coordinator. And I've seen him adjust and go from a single high guy to playing a lot of too high and doing some different things. Why he didn't do it against the Dolphins, or you know, especially early on, I don't know. But I, I thought he's been really good. And even shoot, look at you know up until the Dolphins game. 49ers are top five in, like, everything. So, obviously, he's doing something right, right? They lost uh, uh, they lost Bosa right away, D4 right away. And even then, when you, when they played against the Giants, again, poor offense. I get it. But they did what they were supposed to do. They held them to nine points. Played against the Jets. Poor offense. I get it. Don't have guard. But he did what he was supposed to do. And it took until late in the fourth quarter for them to um, score a touchdown to give them 13 points. Like, that was their first touchdown in the entire game. So, no. And, and even against the Eagles, um, against the Eagles, like, the there was a pick six. So, you know, outside of the pick six, the defense gave up, what, 18 points? And that was with the offense being sh- crappy. So, no. Robert Sala, he's, he, he's, he's good. I, I like Sala. I think he does a really good job adjusting. He had a terrible game. He had a terrible game. And that, you know, and as did everybody else. The offense had a terrible game. Defense had a terrible game. It's really kind of crazy how everybody, all of a sudden, especially in the 49 Faithful fan base, everybody's just jumping off the bandwagon. And, and now Sala can't coach and Shanahan can't coach and all this down the other. It, it, a lot of people over panicking. At the end of the day, like, just they're just hurt. They're banged up. You said Sala had a bad game, but... 
The Niners brought in some secondary help because we know Richard Sherman's not coming back this week. Kyle Shanahan made that very clear that he's not coming off of IR and he, his, his injury is not taken too well and the healing process hasn't gone where they would like to. But San Francisco brought in someone who you broke down before the season began in the draft. That's Parnell Motley. What can you tell us about the newest San Francisco 49er defensive back going into this week versus the Rams? Yeah, man, he he was my my CB ten in in his last class, right? And I have I've gotten like a ton of tweets with everybody saying they got your guy, like they got your guy, and I'm like, ah, he wasn't my guy, but I was somebody that I felt like I was higher on him than other people. You know, I'm watching him compete. I watched him play against uh, Denzel Mims, and it, it was a tremendous game with how he held him in check. Um, and then he started following him. Uh, Mims ended up scoring two touchdowns on the other side. So, and Motley primarily played on one side of the field. But once Mims started moving in to the other side and started doing some more work, Motley started following him and really shut him out. Only had a, a couple catches on him. He played tremendous. And I just thought the way he was in his hip pocket, he had fluid movements. Uh, just the skill set that I saw, I'm like, hey, man, this dude's pretty good. Like, why is he not getting more love? So then I continue watching. I watched him against Rager. There was some give and take. Rager might have caught a pass, but I just saw the way he was competing, getting hands on him, challenging him the entire way. I'm like, man, this dude is good. So I watched some other games, and I saw more of the same thing pretty much the entire time where it was a cornerback that was challenging himself. They put a lot on his plate, having him shadow receivers, which you don't really see a lot in college football. And I thought it was tremendous. And I'm not not to say I saw him with extreme upside, right? He's not the biggest guy. I think he was listed at six foot 183. I think he's closer to like 5'11". Um, at his pro day, this wasn't laser time, and he still ran like 4'5'2 or something like that. So, like, you're you're not as tall. You're not a blazer. It's kind of that tweener there. So I think his he, he didn't have, like, the elite traits that maybe a team would want to to kind of take more of a chance on a guy like him. But I thought from a skill, uh, skill set perspective, um, I thought he was really good. And that was somebody who I was like, man, you know, I'm probably alone on this, having this guy in my in my top 10 uh, cornerbacks in this class, but I thought he's somebody that should be there. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward to now, 49ers picked him up. I'm like, yeah, because he's probably better than, you know, I would rather have him than Dante Johnson. I know who Dante Johnson is. Let me see what this young guy is. I, I know, you know, Brian Allen is like, dude's just been a special teamer. You know, but oh, because he has a size, you guys want to bring him in and just throw him in against uh, throw him in against Devontae Parker. Like, can't cover. So, uh, you know, I didn't really care for that. But you know, when you bring in somebody like Parnell Motley, I'm really excited to see what he does because I watched him against Denzel Mims, who is six foot three and runs a four three eight, and he played extremely well against him and didn't look overmatched. I would like to see more of somebody like him in. And and I said the same thing about. Um, Emmanuel Mosley, when people were telling me, oh, Tim Harris, he's going to make Tim Mosley not. And I'm like, no, Mosley is better than him. He moves better. He's really athletic. He has more versatility. Mosley is the guy. And a lot of people didn't believe me. And then they saw him playing. They're like, oh, you're right. Like, yeah. like. And I'm not saying, like, these guys are just shut down CB1s. I'm just saying I like them over some of the other decisions they've made in the secondary. Well, he definitely has to come out on Sunday and perform against a pretty good Rams uh, wide receiver group. I mean, and and let's go on to week six here. Uh, the Rams are three and one coming into Levi Stadium, where the Niners are one three this season. Uh, and I'm just gonna be blunt. Uh, I'm worried because the Niners uh, or the Rams are playing great football, and they've had a bounce back season after a nine and seven year last year. They look like one of the best teams in football. I know they haven't played the best competition, but they're fourth in the league when it comes to yards per game. Uh, the offense is rolling. And, and, and this game just kind of feels like, you know, I guess, wrong place, wrong time against the wrong team because the way the Niners offensive line's playing, the way Jimmy Garoppolo has played last week, it kind of seems like everything that could go wrong last week against Miami could go wrong this Sunday. And I think having Garoppolo back for an extra week is going to help. They'll have the offense. Hopefully he'll get a full week of practice. He did practice today. So things should look a little better, but... Aaron Donald lined up right across from Garoppolo in front of whether it's Garland or, or, or Tomlinson or, or, or Brunskill. I think Donald's licking his chops saying this offensive line can't guard me. Granted, most offensive lines can't. But but are you expecting Aaron Donald to dominate this game uh, like I am? And how are you expecting San Francisco to scheme against that Rams front seven? Aaron Donald, to me, he's the best football player in 
the National Football League, you know, and that's including, you know, guys like Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson and all those guys. I think Aaron Donald is the best football player in the National Football League. So, you know, it's tough and you can hope to try to contain him. We just saw last week he had four sacks. You know, he he can take over a game. He's very disruptive. He's going to disrupt your run game. You got to run away from him. In the past game, you're going to have to try to double him, but even then, it's really tough. You know, he he's a game wrecker. So I'm wrecked the Cowboys game as well. So I, I think the key for the 49ers, man, like you're going to have to figure out a way to to slow down Aaron Donald. Probably can't stop him. But if you don't if you don't do something to contain him, it's going to be a long day for the 49ers. And you know, we saw last year. What did the 49ers do to have him a little bit less disruptive? Or, you know, how they try to offset that. Maybe it's get the ball out quicker. Um, you know, whatever it is they did in those two games, they're going to have to try to do again. We saw last year the Rams use a ton of bootleg, especially in game two. And But the Niners don't have Ford and Bosa this year, so there may not be a need to entirely use that bootleg. Is that something we're going to see? Or will we see a more traditional Sean McVay Rams offense that we saw uh, in 2018, 2017? Well, I think that is Sean McVay's offense. I think ideally he wants to do more boots and and kind of, you know, work more off of play action and things like that. And as immobile as Goff is, he actually does a good job sometimes extending plays with his legs. Um, and I think that's when Goff works best. He's a lot like, you know, I talked about Cousins. I talked about Garoppolo, like, you know, being good with the threat of the run game. I think he's a higher level uh, version of that. When Once he gets his kind of boot going, his receivers, they're really good in space. When you talk about Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, I think there's both two guys that could possibly go over like, you know, 100 catches each. You have to try to contain that. And, and like you said, we saw it early on in, in game two last year where the 49ers uh, defensive ends weren't keeping contained. I think from the start here, you're just going to have to tell them, do not crash down you're going to have to stay home and just go straight to the quarterback. Uh, you don't want to get golf comfortable, you know, out on those boots. And then that's when a lot of their big plays happen. Going from golf to Garoppolo, is there a certain stat mark Garoppolo has to reach? Is there a certain uh, way he plays on Sunday that he has to hit? Or is it a win or bust game for Garoppolo uh, in, in the mind of not only Shanahan, and, but also to the faithful and the fans on Twitter that are clamoring for his job right now? Well, you know, it's going to be in front of everybody. You know, this is a Sunday night game. I, I definitely think you want to ease people's minds a little bit. But this is one of those games. You you asked me earlier, like, you know, is Garoppolo going to be on this team next year? And it starts with winning games like this. If he doesn't, you know, that doubt is just going to creep in not only, like, the minds of the fans, which it already has, but also, you know, the minds of his teammates, his coaches. Is this the guy? And you'll probably start to get that answer uh, to, you know, is he going to be on this team next year? It, it starts with games like this. You got, we already lost to the um, Arizona Cardinals. This is a must win in, in, in this division. You know, you can't fall down three and five with, uh, you know, the Rams playing as well as they are and the Seahawks being undefeated still. Only two more questions here. One, what is the key to a Niners victory on Sunday? Is it the running game? Is it Garoppolo? Is it the defense? Uh, what's the key to the game? And two, can I get a score prediction uh, for Sunday's game? I think the key for the 49ers to win is stop the run game uh, of the, the, the Rams, which I don't think is great, and then just being able to control the line of scrimmage offensively. If the 49ers can do that, I, I think they'll be fine. Now, being able to control the line offensively, like I think that's going to be the struggle. So I don't have a score prediction, but I will say the 49ers will cover the three and a half points. Now, they could lose by three and they cover, or they could just <laughs> win outright. You know, so I'm kind of playing it. You know, after what I've been seeing the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I'm just like, man, they're just so banged up, man. And I saw a stat, 13 guys on IR for the 49ers, yeah. uh, three guys on IR for the Rams. So, you know, I think that's kind of where they, they, they have an edge right now. And those IR guys, they're not coming back this Sunday. So, My last question for you is, look into your crystal ball, and don't give me a score prediction, but what is the headline on Monday morning after Sunday night's game for San Francisco? Ooh. 
49ers are in trouble. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's not what anyone wants to hear, but I'm sure it's probably going to be the truth. <laughs> I know. Hold on. You know, I'm I'm the most optimistic person ever. Like I'm an op- optimist by by nature, but just how it's kind of gone. And again, I don't want to get in the panic. And I say one game at a time. I respected the Dolphins, and I felt like you know, hey, this is a team that could challenge the 49ers. But I still expected the 49ers to win. When you get destroyed like that at home, to me. I start to kind of look at the 49ers this season a little different. And it's like, well, maybe they just can't overcome all the injuries that they've sustained. So I don't look at them as like, oh, these are the big, bad 49ers. You know, they're missing a lot of their big, bad players. And I think it's kind of reflected on some of the scores we've seen in the last couple of weeks. And if I had to put money down, I would say that probably will continue this week. But I hope not. I hope the 49ers win. And, you know, we have a party on Twitter and everybody's like happy and I'm like, oh yeah, like it feels good to be wrong. I just I just hope I'm wrong. Well, speaking of your Twitter, you can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker and be sure to check out all of his work on the fourth and nine. The Crocker Report is one of the best things going out there when it comes to analyzing uh, and scouting a football game and players. Eric, I really appreciate you coming on. I know it's late. I know you had a long day and you had football camps. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day uh, for me and the Fort Niner Access podcast. Ah, man, anytime, man. I appreciate it. Eric was wonderful, but my final score prediction, because Eric wouldn't give you one, is 33-23. And while I am part of the faithful, just like Eric is, he said he's not going against the Niners, but in a sense, he's going against the Niners. I need Shanahan and Garoppolo to give me hope they can go out there and be the same tandem we saw last year. Until then... I can't predict a win for this team. They just aren't the same, and my predictions can't act like as if they are. The Niners start the toughest part of their schedule, so we have to hope and we have to find hope somewhere that they can turn this thing around and slowly work their way back to the top of the NFC West, of the NFC, and hopefully eventually the NFL, whether it's this year or next year. All I can say is I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. I believe in Kyle Shanahan. Uh, While I am skeptical sometimes, and and I will give you my honest, true opinion, uh, this journey of 2020 has not been easy, but let's hope that week six against the Rams, when they turn it around, and and to follow all the news happening in 2020, follow us on social media. Instagram is at 49ers.access. Twitter is at 49ers underscore access. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. That's how all these podcasting networks uh, put you up in the rankings. So leave a review. But until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett and stay faithful. Oh,